and creatives are finding their voice and asserting their agency through this new digital, connected and virtual world. Their work and expressions are reaching across all divides as they interrogate the past and reimagine what it means to be an African today. Join me, Jerry Wangari, as I engage these creatives, thinkers, makers and builders for candid conversations on how they are weaving their own thread in this new Africa. Welcome to the Kenyan Poet Podcast. Hi, um, wherever you're tuned in from. Um, welcome to the Kenyan Poet Podcast. My name is Njeri Wangari, and um, I have been out of the space for quite a while. This is season two of the Kenyan Poet Podcast. For those of you who have been fans, going as far back as uh, 2010, 2011, um, I, and for those of you who have not been, I um, started the, the Kenyan Poet Podcast quite a while back in 2011 and so took a break a 10-year break but I'm excited to be back and a lot has happened in that space both from a personal um, perspective as a poet as a creative and um, as a and as a mother as well so um, I'm excited to be back and um, I'm excited to be uh, talking to uh, various um, creatives. The space has really grown. And um, today, I will be introducing our guest today shortly. Um, and uh, in this season two of the Kenyan Poet Podcast, we'll be talking to various creatives who are doing uh, amazing things and, and shaping the narrative of what it means to be African and reimagining the present as well as the future, even as we interrogate the past. So welcome to the show. Now, I'd like to mention that uh, this podcast has been made possible by the support of the Unique Kenya. That is, Unique Kenya is, uh, stands for European Union National Institutes for Culture, which basically aims to foster cultural exchanges and cooperation between Europe and Kenya. So welcome to the show. Now, I would like to introduce my guest, or I would like him to introduce himself. I've known uh, Chief Nyamwea for quite a number of years now. I think the 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 time that we got to interact a lot was during the Story Moja Festival. And um, he's uh, an amazing illustrator, animator. He's published a book that uh, he'll, he'll be talking to us about shortly. But um, just um, give us, I, I know we've sort of not spoken for, for quite some time. So what have you been up to? And um, uh, some of the things that I haven't mentioned that, that, you, that you do. Uh, thank you very much, Jerry, for having me. It's a great honor to be on the Kenyan podcast or the Kenyan Poet Podcast. Uh, in our creative ecosystem, we think of Kenyan Poet as an institution. You might not know this, but uh, this is how we see you. Um, also, um, on the internet, you know, uh, you, you're much larger than life, and uh, people always get surprised when they meet the person behind the handle. Uh, on on my own. Um, I run, uh, I'm, I'm the creative director of an animation studio called uh, Freehand Studios, and we are located in, on Dagoreti Road in Karen. We make uh, um, social impact animations, animations for social impact. So for example, 
we would not take uh, you know we would not take uh, we would not work with clients like that are working in fossil fuel companies or other destructive uh, industries uh, whether it's shell or any any other such person we try as much as possible to to live our values in in our animation and this came at the back of 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 dabbling in a lot of client work over many years when when we knew each other and just learning refining what we really wanted to to be focusing on we wanted to have a positive impact on our great grandchildren great and it's good you've mentioned because you've so um you've given sort of a precursor of what we will be discussing today largely which will be on animation um and um the reason why i felt it was important for us to have this discussion because i know a lot of um viewers having uh, those who have uh, listened to the past podcast it was mostly focusing on arts and culture but um the season 2 i thought I'd, I'd, I'd sort of give it a different twist and just look at the broader subject of of culture and uh, history uh, arts and, and and expression now you mentioned animation and um there is something that happened about two two weeks ago uh netflix premiered um series called Yasuke. I think we were just right now discussing whether it's Yasuke or Yasuke. Uh yes. So um they just premiered um a series. Uh it's a six episode series on Yasuke and um it is though it is not a it is not a biographical um series it is inspired by the the real person and and Yasuke was actually a real person who existed in 1570 in Japan. Now this uh Netflix series is the one that I'd like us to talk about and uh, and also the fact that he was the first non uh Japanese samurai all right um and you know the implications of him as an African in Japan um this animation itself it has been hailed as a new dawn for black animation and and we'll we'll explore those themes so um maybe we can start with what were your re- what was your reaction and in realization that a real african samurai did mm-hmm. exist uh honestly i'm not surprised if you're familiar with uh, ivona diambo's uh, book about the dragonfly sea we know about the the presence of chinese on the east african coast and um, you know even even communities that are descended from from those people who are in the east african coast we know that uh, you know indonesians and other polynesians were in uh, madagascar and uh, you know the, the current inhabitants of madagascar are the descendants of 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 the mixture that happened so this is not new i think what is what is new is representations uh, even in my own experience in life I've, i've i've encountered people and things that are much more interesting than fiction uh, i've i've been in a in a nasa air park and and meeting nigerians you know working at a very high level over there and um you know so 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 this 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 happens um what is what is not what is not there is the representations that show that uh, africans are multidimensional and uh, even even as far as animation is concerned there has been uh, afro samurai before this one and um you know black people are obsessed with uh, anime i know in kenya here itself the anime community is huge um you know from anime anonymous way back when when i was in university to um all the cosplay shows that that come about um this is only a, a response to that and it's a, it's about time and i i don't think it should stop at this this is this is just um it's 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 very little um but anime itself is a japanese uh, art form it is a japanese form of animation um and um 
you know, it behooves those of us who are interested in getting into animation in a professional level to also, you know, make our own contribution because we can't wait for, for other cultures to represent us to the level that we, that we feel we deserve. Mm -hmm. Great. And um, having um, looked at the reactions, because I, mm -hmm. I did an article uh, recently looking at what the reactions have been to the uh, Netflix animation, its uh, animation series itself, as well as um, the implication in, in, uh, and the importance of that uh, series and the realization for most people that, oh, so this is actually based on the life of a real person. But the series itself has received lots of reactions because actually a lot of people, it, it sort of became the... Uh, the gateway to people rea looking deeper and digging deeper into who is this character and not because most people don't, didn't know that there was actually an African samurai who existed so I look at the series um, there has been a lot of criticism about it you know the making of it but from a bigger perspective is what it has unearthed and um, as an animator I, I don't know if you I'm sure you, I, I hope you've had some time to look at the making of it. Yeah. What are your reactions to it as an as an animator and an illustrator? I think it's beautiful. It's it's very well made. The choice of having Flying Lotus doing the score was brilliant. He's a brilliant musician. Mm -hmm. um, you know the cast is is, is brilliant. This is um, I forget his name. The same guy from um, uh, he's the same guy from the from the recent uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. The the lead. Oh yes, I'm forgetting his, his name. name. Yes, yes, I, yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he's, he's, he's also the one who in plays Get Out. Exactly. Yes, yeah, I, yeah, I forget yeah. his name. So I mean, it, it was well made. I think um, some of the reservations I've heard are around, um, you know, to to what extent is it um, the the success that we are celebrating in terms of being um, an African story, or it's it, it's it's a Japan, it's very much a Japanese story mm -hmm. in a Japanese context. And um, you know, shedding a light on this character, but, but don't learn very much about the world that he comes from, except for perhaps the presence of the of the, the witch doctor from Benin. Mm -hmm. um, you don't really you don't really see the society that he emerges out for. It could also possibly be uh, the fact that it's very it's an African American cast. Uh, so oh yeah, yeah. I had, had the, some uh, reservations yeah. about that. Yeah. you know because. It is an African samurai who existed. Yeah. So, uh, and more likely, yes. the real Yosuke would have come from a more uh, a place that the Portuguese uh, were visiting a lot, possibly Mozambique, possibly the Swahili coast, somewhere in East Actually, Africa. Actually, there has a, been uh, um, there has been evidence that contradicts mm -hmm. uh, the fact that he might have hailed from Mozambique, more likely Sudan. So, there's a book um, that came out um, about two years ago. Um, and I'm actually currently reading it. And places that or his origin to have been, because he was quite tall, he was six feet tall. Um, so he's most likely to have hailed from Sudan uh, more than Mozambique. But there's still a lot of debate about his, his origins. Yes, so um, so there's there's been lots of articles that have been written about, um, you know, what this particular um animation series represents beyond the entertainment element of it. And it's been hailed as the new dawn for black characters in animation. Talk to us about what has been the past in terms of having, uh, and, and we've talked, and, and you've mentioned about representation. Let's talk about representation mm -hmm. and the 
lack of, <laughs> if that has been the case of black characters in, in animation. Mm -hmm. yeah. I am very cautious about using superlatives like New Dawn, or New Era. We had the same when Black Panther was released, that it's going to be transformative. And it has to a large extent. But really, especially as somebody working in the field, I can say the things that, that, that cause shifts are very nuts and bolts type of things. Like how many, how many studios are there available in your city if you're an African animator? Um, you know, how many mentors do you have available to you, including the resources that we have online? What sort of funding do you have access to? What sort of equipment? What sort of software licenses? Those, those uh, nuts and bolts things are the ones which will be transformative because it's not for lack of stories that, um, that you know, our stories have not been escaping um, over here. And even, even until now, there are lots of people who've been working, even, even in Kenya, animation has been, has been going on for quite a long time since Pete Mute and, uh, and the rest of the guys with Tinga Tinga Tales were, were doing their thing. Um, it's, it's very nuts and bolts distribution problems that we need to solve. Otherwise, you know, we'll keep having the Hollywood productions, we'll keep having the, the Netflix-sponsored productions, and we'll keep, you know, having our, our, our critiques of, of, of representation. But really what will make the difference is once infrastructure is available for, for African creators. And we are currently in the process of, of trying to solve those things, usually in the face of, uh, of real structural opposition, whether it's censors locally, whether it's, uh, you know, just the, the, the normal business challenges that, uh, that African creators face here. Those are the things that, we would, that would be really transformative for us to solve the representation thing. Then there's also the question of, you know, uh, how easy is it uh, for, for a local creator versus somebody coming and, you know, they, they see ideas here. I myself have been involved in IP disputes, um, you know, uh, a lot of them, a lot of them. If you if you if you conduct yourself well, a lot of them get solved without coming into the public eye. But they are there. There are instances of it's much easier for somebody to come from Europe or the U.S. and you know find a story and give it legs and you know completely claim that. It's much harder for you to go in the opposite direction to go and you know stake your claim to 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 some German kids uh, animation. It's not going to be possible. So all all those are so, sorry for dragging you into away from the from the story into nuts and bolts. But when you're living when you're living in it every day, those are the things that you pay attention to. We really need to to build that infrastructure. Mm -hmm. Right, and um, sort of just coming back to the and, and now looking at um, the life of um, the Yasuke, the real person. Mm -hmm. Yes, and and here I'm looking at it in terms of the danger of a single story. Yes. Um, because the single story of um, uh, of Africans mm -hmm. uh, has been that of uh, mm -hmm. enslavement, subjugation, mm -hmm. and here comes along a story, because mm -hmm. I've even seen articles where they're still claiming that he was a slave mm -hmm. <laughs> when, when in Japan. Yeah. And because, because for a lot of people, it's very difficult to imagine... Mm -hmm. uh, to imagine an African who was free then. Mm -hmm. And and so my, my question is, mm -hmm. um, um, I hear your question. I, and, and sorry, yeah. I, I sort of got lost in the moment there. But um, what does this do in, in terms of challenging mm -hmm. that single narrative about mm -hmm. this is what we know about Africans and this is and this is given? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, the period in which Yosuke is said to have been active, the late, the late. Um, 1500s. Yes, it's in the late 1500s. That would, that would fall at the start of the Edo period. 
and we know historically that uh, the samurai were the highest caste in 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 Japan at the time, the highest like military caste, and they worked with this uh, daimyo. So that would have been a very high ranking. Um, that does not sound like a servant. Like a, or up up like until slave, up yeah? until up until the the Meiji Restoration, uh, the samurai were actually uh, quite revered. And it's only during the Meiji Restoration that they try to phase out the the samurai and modernize Japan very quickly, which is also a very interesting story. Um, and yeah, I mean, we we are currently inside the context where we are waking up from a nightmare of of, of slavery and subjugation and colonialism and all the, those other isms. And um, our Im- our imagination can sometimes be constrained by the present, and we have difficulty seeing into the past. You need you need a, a historian's lens to understand that this period that you're familiar with of uh, of um, Africa and Africa being dominated by the West is a very modern period. That if you look at it on the scale in which Africans have been present in the world as you know the first human beings on this planet. Um, the 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 last few centuries is a very tiny microscopic sliver of our history, and um, you know actually it's more about restoring Africa's place than you know discovering something that that we were not. If you think in terms of what are the what are the the, the specifications that you need to be an effective samurai, I mean just look at Eliud Kipchoge for example. You know. Um, so yeah, um, I, I was very fascinated about it. Of course, I would have loved to see more about the context that he came from. What did he bring into this context? Why was um, uh, I, f- I forget the daimyo's name? Nabanga? No, 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 Nobunaga. Uh, Nobunaga. Why, why yes. was Nobunaga so yeah. taken by him? Uh, historically, there are these uh, funny anecdotes about uh, Nobunaga wanting. That, that was the first African who he'd met. So it he actually happened. To... <laughs> As I told you, I'm reading the book. It actually you know, happened. He thought that he thought he had some paint him. on. Yeah. He had some uh, ink on, and then so uh-huh. he actually ordered Foyasuke to to be washed, and and that happened. Yeah. And only to realize that uh, it was actually his skin. Yeah. And I think at that point, that that's a point where he became so fascinated that yeah. he. Um, he was so taken by him, and uh-huh. uh, I'm yet to get to the part where that yeah. encounter happened. But uh-huh. I've I've read about it, and um, in the um, reviews of 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 of, of the series and uh, and the, uh-huh. the historical context. Uh-huh. But um, the daimyo was very fascinated mm-hmm. by Yasuke for various reasons, and so mm-hmm. he requested for because Yasuke had brought a Jesuit to uh, mm-hmm. sort of help spread the gospel. But then how yeah. he ended up. Staying in Japan is something that I'm I'm curious about and yes. I'm, I'm ready to find yeah. out. Yeah. I mean, the curiosity goes both ways. Um, I would say, as, as somebody who's been fascinated with anime myself from you know the earliest days of watching uh, Runur Kenshin uh, pro, uh, about the Meiji Restoration, our fascination with with Japan and the East in general, you know, comes from you know wanting to see an alternative to 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 the western narrative yes, that is just is the only narrative really that we are taught historically and you know just based on our history our education and um the the fascination goes both ways in my own travels in in southeast asia when i was traveling in bagan in in uh, in uh, uh in myanmar it was it was really interesting for me. I took so many selfies. People wanted to take selfies with me, and you know. I hope they didn't want to touch your hair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was too tall to for them to access their hair. But it's interesting. It's it's very interesting, and I had that sense of being 
of course I know I'm not the first Kenyan there. I know that Kinadad and Kimathi and the rest of them had gone there during the Second World War. But I really felt there were places that I went that I felt surely I must be the, the first Kenyan who's been here. Mm. And it's, uh, it's nice to see other civilizations and to see other ways of being outside of, of just the corridor that we travel. And too often we, too often we travel back and forth in the corridors that are already established by mm. you know, colonial trade routes. Yeah. And uh, still talking on representation, um, I'd like us to sort of uh, um, briefly discuss why it is important that we as Africans are able to see ourselves not just in the books that we read, mm -hmm. but also in the films and, and the animations that, that we watch. Mm -hmm. Why is that important? Mm -hmm. uh, because we model ourselves on, on, on what we see. We model ourselves on the world that's around, you know. Um, it's just it's just how human nature is. We know that anatomically you can do anything and, and, and you're capable of doing anything, but socially speaking, we model ourselves based on what is proximate. You know, if you're a woman, you're much more likely to to aspire to 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 you know to greater things if you see other women aspiring and achieving those greater things. And you know, the same goes for ethnicity. Um yeah, you, you'll see, like, if you go back, there was, uh, in some communities, you had the first lawyer, and then immediately after that, just uh, a few short years after, there were many, many, many different people after. So, so that helps expand them. And I think creators do have a role also in, in terms of the type of stories we tell, not to just regurgitate the same stories. And there is a risk. I feel that risk when I'm writing stories myself, that, yes, I might, yes, I might wish to, to tell different stories, but there's always that risk at the back of my mind that just based on what I've consumed in the past, I don't want to end up accidentally regurgitating what I've already, mm -hmm. what I've already. You know. Yeah. So what I'm hearing, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that I'm hearing as an, as an African creative, there's, mm -hmm. al there's always that obligation mm -hmm. to, um, there's, there's a certain obligation that you have to fulfill in, I, I owe this to the, you know, to um, the people who are here current, currently and also for future generations. So there's, mm -hmm. there's that element. Mm -hmm. um, so um, 10 years ago, we, I think I had just started a family. You mm -hmm. hadn't. Uh -huh. um, 10 years later, I have three kids. You have, you have a child. Have and, a son, and, yes. and so, um, so what I, I want us to, to talk about, because um, the... African Samurai, both mm -hmm. the comic series and now having Yasuke mm -hmm. and sort of being like the, you know, that series now shows that there's an actual person who existed. And, mm -hmm. and what I'm, I want to bring into this discussion is, now that we have children, mm -hmm. what is the importance of children seeing heroes that look like them? It's extremely important. It's extremely important and... Um you know, we, we cannot produce fast enough. When I was trying to find content for, for my own son to see as, you know, kids need, you know, music, songs, whatever, I was fascinated that uh, it's all French, Congolese content from Cameroon. And, you know, it, 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 it really begged the question that, you know, we, we don't think of, of, of DRC in Kenya. We don't think of DRC as being more advanced in Kenya. But in terms of producing children's content, they're way ahead of us, way ahead. And so, and also my travels... And here, sorry to interrupt. Yeah. Here we're talking about... Um, Creating songs, you know, children's rhymes. They have hours and hours and hours and hours of content. Wow. Some of the animation might not be like peak, but the mm -hmm. music is 
excellent. It's second mm -hmm. to none. That's, that's it's so good that, mm -hmm. that uh, you know, the parents can also listen along. It's not Nickelodeon type. It's... Sorry for that, <laughs> uh, Nickelodeon. <laughs> but, I mean, I'm just, I'm just being honest. I'm just, I'm just keeping it real. That the music is really at the highest standard possible. I've not encountered any other children's content that musically is at that level. It is superior. The kids love it. They demand it, like, even when, even when I would try to show him something else, maybe because we were in a context where we didn't have access to YouTube or whatever, and it was just Nickelodeon, he, he, he would not touch Nickelodeon. He would mm -hmm. shove it aside. I'm not interested in this. He wanted the song, you know, the, the, the dance, the beats, and, you know, all of that. And, you know, also in my own travels, of, um, during my, my career, I think it was about 2015, I traveled to Madagascar, which... Uh, let me just give some context. Mm -hmm. The reason why I thought we never invested in animation was I, I assumed that, oh, Kenya is a, is a poor country, therefore we cannot afford any, we don't have any surplus. We're, we're not poor. We don't have any surplus <laughs> we're for, just for animation. But what I, my travels to, to these quote-unquote poor places like mm -hmm. Madagascar, DRC, and the rest showed me was that it is a choice. We have no trouble affording these skyscrapers you see about here. We have no trouble affording, you know, standard gauge railways to nowhere yet um, when it comes to you know cultural creation what the content that our that the next generation is going to consume suddenly we start fidgeting and i i could not understand that until i went to places like madagascar and i saw the the the, the seriousness with which they they treat culture the seriousness with which they treat uh, their content they take it extremely seriously and it completely reconfigured once i came back i could not unsee what i had seen i could not unknow what i knew and i knew that we have a problem we, we have a very serious problem that, um, you know, um, it, it's like we are hollow of content, you know. You have buildings. And also, it, it also stems to how we think about innovation. Anytime you, you, we think about innovation, whether it's in the tech sector, let's not even just talk about culture now, uh, the first instinct of, of, uh, of um, you know, the, the, the powers that be is brick and mortar. How many buildings can we put up? You know, how many Ethernet cables and whatever can we put? That's, and that's all well and good, you know, go off to, uh, to, to Konza and, you know, put up all these things. But there's very little thought, thought about the humans that are going to populate these structures. And, uh, you know, humans are culture. Culture is the software that's going to run these humans. And that's where we come in as storytellers. You know, people have to see themselves in, in science fiction. There was, you know, even what you're holding in your hand. This existed in Star Trek before it existed as an actual thing. So mm -hmm. we, we create, we extrapolate the possibilities and we, we, we deal with the science. We, we put out these possibilities that now the science catches up with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, just from my own experience and what you've talked about with, you know, looking for content that you, your son can, can consume and, and not finding and having mm -hmm. that. Uh, and and for, for us creatives, the, the beauty is that when you look, when you're looking for whatever it is that you're seeking and you don't find, mm -hmm. the instinct is, why not create it? And that's yeah. that is the same thing that happened mm -hmm. that happened for me. Um, mm -hmm. So I have I have I have three kids, mm -hmm. and uh, they're all below the age of ten. And so for me, it is being able to find content um, either in the form of um, uh, video or mm -hmm. even books, mm -hmm. and and not and not finding and. Mm -hmm. There's a startup that I, you know, there's something that I ran quite a while back. It, mm -hmm. it ran into uh, uh, quite a number of challenges and I had to put it on hold. But I had started what uh, was then called Safari Tales, which was basically mm -hmm. African folk tales, um, digitizing African folk tales. Mm -hmm. And so um, 
So what now I have been looking at is, mm -hmm. okay, maybe there's another way of, of going about this. Mm -hmm. And I'm venturing into writing poetry for children. Nice. So, and, and, and it's because looking at the space and, um, and looking at what are some of the stories that are being told, what are the storybooks that children are mm -hmm. reading, what are the um, animations that children mm -hmm. are watching, mm -hmm. who are these um, hero characters that, mm -hmm. that children are aspiring to. So every time... Uh, my son says he wants to be like Spider-Man. I cringe. <laughs> because I'm like, yeah, yeah. I wish there was a way that um, the story of Luanda Magere mm -hmm. can be modeled in, mm -hmm. into Spider-Man. Because he had, uh, you know, the belief in, in powers, in, mm -hmm. in having special powers and mm -hmm. superpowers. Yeah. Because Luanda Magere had a superpower. Mm -hmm. It was in his, in his, in his shadow. Mm -hmm. If there's a way that that can... And I know that there are animators. Um, mm -hmm. I know... Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Kwame Nyong'o yes. has done. Yes. Uh, Kwame Nyong'o, Maurice Odede. Luanda Magere is one of the most visited uh, mm -hmm. book tales. So many animators have had their attempts at it. And there will be many. And, and there will be yeah. many. And, and what I love about the, 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 the you know, the, uh, the story of, um, and not, not just the story of Yasuke, but what are some of the things that people have opened their minds to mm -hmm. in having seen the animation series? It's like, oh, we, it is actually possible to have, um, you know, black characters in animation as um, as the superheroes, mm -hmm. and that sort of sort of shows the way for mm -hmm. um, for other animators to mm -hmm. do that. Um, so let's come back to to your work. I know mm -hmm. that there's a project that you did um, on uh, Dead and Kimati. Yes. Yes. It, it, it talk to us way about it. back. When, yes, ah, I, I know. You're, you're confessing your age. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it is not evident um, yet. <laughs> yeah, very much like very much like Yasuke, there are gaps in the Denkimathi's uh, recorded history that are difficult to 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 piece together, uh, unless you have like a research grant and you're actually going to go and interview like you know all family members and these things. Um, at the time uh, I did that, I had just left uh, law school. I just left the the Kenya School of Law to draw comics. Crazy idea. And um, what I was seeing was that we were isolated in academia. We had access to all this information about, you know, uh, land tenure systems in Kenya and how they've been misused and, you know, where, how, basically how we got here today. And I felt like we need to, we need to get, we need to break out of, of, of academia and get this information out into the public domain. And for me at that time, uh, comics seemed like the most viable route for me because I could draw, I had uh, a facility with language and, um, you know, those are the two things that were available and we had the internet, uh, which you also benef benefited oh, from. Yes. So what I looked at was, uh, I, I, I drew out what we knew about Kimathi's life onto a timeline and I looked at where the gaps are and where creative license could be used. I knew he had served in, 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 in Burma. I knew that, uh, you know, he'd come back at the close of the war um, uh, and I knew he had worked in the Kenya Forestry uh, Department at some point in Nyeri. He, in, in about 47, he joins uh, the, the uh, Kiama Kiafote, <laughs> Kenya, Kenya, Africa, uh, what is it called? Yeah, the, the cow. Yes. So, and then I knew at some point, obviously, he would have had to have come into contact with, with cow officials like Kenyatta, and et cetera. Yes. So I looked at, at the timeline, I looked at where are the gaps. So, you know, how would he have, who would he have come into contact with when he was in Nairobi? Uh, how would he have uh, been radicalized? How would he, 
where do the politics begin? And I try to explore those things using characters, some fictional characters. I give him a friend called Chege, who he meets in Nairobi, and you know they try and find their way, and you know uh, they get into trouble, and they have to run off to Nyeri because I needed to also locate him in Nyeri. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, for, as the as the emergency um, period yeah. is starting. So as mm-hmm. I was as I was making these ideas up in my head and and and, and drawing the comic. It was a very rudimentary comic. I mean, when, when I look back at it, I'm almost embarrassed. But funnily enough, it was so popular. It was, in, in, my, in my estimation, yeah. it was almost disproportionately popular to the, to the quality of work being my first comic. It was, it was quite popular to the extent that uh, it even came into the radar of Questlove, of, of The Roots, and you know, a lot of people saw it. You still remember it? Yes, I do. And uh, I, I owe a lot to, to, to that first comic of you know, trying to make sense of Dead and Kimata's life piece together. I, I, uh, I did about four issues in the space of one month before I completely burnt out, you know, completely underestimating how much work went into drawing mm-hmm. comics because I was I was writing and drawing simultaneously. I had a mm-hmm. friend helping me, Nahabi. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I tried to touch on religion. I tried to touch on, on 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 like what colonialism felt like in the city of Nairobi, and I tried to touch on on all these various aspects: a love interest, Mukami. Um, yeah, it was it was good fun. It was good fun. I even. Uh, you know, uh, at some point, uh, got arrested on the campus grounds for staying uh, overtime, and then uh, everything for you as a as a student is useful. I, I I took that and I was like, ah, so this is what it's like to be in the custody of the state, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, 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 very uh-huh. interesting. Yeah. Okay, okay, and um, as we as we as we come to uh, towards the Present end of um, oh. yeah. No, sorry. Let's let's talk about the what you're currently mm-hmm. working on. So currently, okay. Um, there's been a lot of it. It would take much more time than we have to go through all the, mm-hmm. the, the various comics I've drawn. I drew comics for the star for about four years. Uh, I had a six-panel comic there and, you know, doing animation at the same time. Um, in terms of books, in terms of books proper, published ones, um, in 2017, I started working on Art of Unlearning, which I, I had a chance to show you. And... Um, which is basically just grappling over. I was putting together a lot of philosophical ideas that had gathered over time working. And now I'm currently working on something called Trust, which is uh, in a near future, an, a near alternate future, based a lot on Kenya, but I don't explicitly call it Kenya. And it explores the intersection between our, you know, uh, the, the future technologies, specifically, you know, decentralizing technologies like blockchain. What will, what will it be like when we don't need a state? What will it be like when, you know, our technology has, has, has removed the need for these intermediaries in our representative democracy. It's just direct democracy. Um, and what challenges would they face? Would, would, the, would the currently powerful entities, uh, whether it's in energy and whatever, would they just sit and watch it happen? So uh, trust explores that, that conflict. And it also borrows a lot from you know, uh, uh, the pre-existing decentralized cultures. Like if you look at the Maasai, I look at them as being uh, super decentralized. So that's what I'm currently exploring mm-hmm. in trust and I hope to publish it toward the end of this year. Okay, that's interesting because um, one of the things that uh, I sort of decided to do with this new mm-hmm. season is to uh, look at that intersection between mm-hmm. uh, technology, arts, culture, mm-hmm. uh, heritage and things like that. And mm-hmm. so whatever you're working on, the project that you're working on is you know, smack in the middle of that. So, um, so uh, I'd like us to... You know, as we as, as we come towards the end of this uh, of this show, um, when you sort of uh, you know cast your eyes like uh, you know to towards the future and looking at the space that that mm-hmm. you're in, 
Um, what, uh, what do you see as um, some of the, I know there's been a lot of fascination in futuristic mm -hmm. um, uh, kind of uh, reimagining mm -hmm. uh, how Africa in the future would look like. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how do you imagine that as, 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 as a person and as even as an mm. actor? You know the Sankofa bird that uh, you go back in order to go forward. No. Uh, the Sankofa bird, you'll see it uh, in, in, I don't know, it comes out of a community in, in, in Ghana. Okay. Uh, they, they have this uh, drawing, this iconography of a bird that is bent backwards toward its tail. Oh, yes, I, yes. I, I've seen it. And I feel very much that that's where we are. There's a reason why these people keep talking about this mm. and, and keep wanting to go back. It's in the zeitgeist. It's in the, it's in the collective consciousness in Africa right now. We do have this strong sense that uh, we need to um, we need to reinterrogate the past because uh, what we have in our books is not ours. And um, only by doing that will we be able to make sense of what the, the future looks like because it's still us who are going to build it. It's still us who are going to have to build this. The future is not out there. It's, it's us building from here on. And our precondition for being able to build here onwards is reevaluating ourselves, what we are capable of. It almost seems disappointing that we need Yasuke's to remind us of what we are capable of. It should be obvious, but um, you know, uh, you can't make that assumption, especially for the young. You need to do the work of you know, telling them that, yes, you are capable, because unfortunately, uh, the, the rest of the world will be making an effort to, to say the opposite. So um, it's also a reaction to that, but beyond that, it's also about just doing what needs to be done. You know, uh, show this future. For me, an ideal future would be one in which um, we don't need powerful middlemen standing in between us in order to be able to do what we need to do. Um, not to be too long-winded, but even this form of representative democracy we have right now, that picking one person among us to go and represent us is very imperfect. Um, what we have now came when the fastest thing that could move was, was a horse, and that's what our, our political system is, is, is based on. So like in Kizi, where, where I'm from, we'd pick one person, like, you go, and they would spend like three, four days getting to Nairobi, from Kendube to Kizumu, taking a train, three days. Uh, so it's imperfect, you know? As, as, as a woman, I would wonder, why is somebody legislating on my reproductive health and they're a bloke, you know? What do they know about my... So more direct forms would, would allow us to have much more agency in our, in our life. And I think I'm not fascinated just about the sexy aspects of technology. For me, it's that, like, how much can we remove the the burden of, of, of layers of, um, of unnecessary intermediaries from our lives. That's what technology will really be powerful in doing. And I think we, it's within our reach, but we'll have to fight for it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Great. And that's a great point for us to finish. I, I wouldn't want to add in more. Um, so thank you so much. Thank uh, you. It's great reconnecting with you after so many years. And ah, too long. I, I love, <laughs> yes, it's, I think it's been too long. Yeah. But as you can see, I've, I've been busy. Too long, <laughs> um, too long. But um, I'm, I'm really happy about um, us having this conversation. And it's come at a very good time when there's a, there's, there's so much happening in, mm -hmm. in, the, in the space and there's so much happening around us. And, mm -hmm. and for the creatives, it's, um, it's a great time to be a creative, yeah. I think. Yeah, so thank you so much for coming. And thank you for um, having me. Great. Um, so it's, it's, it's been wonderful. I, I hope you've enjoyed the conversations. Um, my, I have been your host, Jerry Wangare. And um, thank you. Uh, we'd, I'd love to hear your comments. Please write to me. 
find me on any social platform uh, at Kenyan Poet, whichever social platform it is, or write to me, Jerry Wangari at kenyanpoet.com. So until next time, bye bye.